Stress Less with Carly Myers. This is episode 22 on What Has My Attention. And this is part one of a two-part series. And part two, episode 23, will come out next week and is titled Stress Less Spiritually with Carly Myers. And before we get into this episode, I wanted to let you know I was on the Travel Gluten-Free podcast titled Explore the Culture and Gluten-Free Restaurants of Santa Fe, New Mexico with John Beethan. I lived in Santa Fe for about 24 years, most of my adult life, so I had some fun stories and favorite restaurants to share there. Okay, there's been a lot of talk about reducing stress with yoga, diets, exercise, you know, but this is different. As Carly says, I learned very quickly, very early on, that there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to stress management, and even more so, that the mainstream approaches that everybody's talking about, therapy, meditation, yoga, hitting the gym, changing your diet, while important and can be really impactful, don't necessarily help everyone. There may be something deeper that can't be resolved fully by all or one of those things. This is what has my attention. Carly Myers, welcome to the show, whathasmyattention.com. Carly's from, well, her website, and we'll mention this at the end of the show as well, is stresslessco.com. And uh, do you remember where we met? We met through a mutual friend, Mary Kravitz. Uh-huh. One and only. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no kidding, the one and only. And uh, she has a really fabulous um, networking group online, and you can get to it by going to watchusthrive.com and uh, she does these really really well have and and you and I were on a uh, 15 minute kind of a meet and greet with her right absolutely yep yeah so how are you this morning I'm doing good it's a beautiful Thursday morning um, which is my equivalent of a Friday morning so TJ T, I was gonna say TGI tea. <laughs> Thank God it's Thursday. Yeah, I no, usually, yeah. Today's the uh, April 22nd. It happens to be Earth Day. Did you know that? I did. I actually, this morning, woke up to all these Earth Day posts, and I was like, when the heck is Earth Day? Yeah. Googled it. It's today. <laughs> yeah, I think it's unfortunate. It's only celebrated once a year, but oh well. I know. I know. Yeah. yeah. So great. So given stress-free zone, stresslessco.com, you know, we can talk a little bit about stress, but we also agreed that in this conversation, we're, we're going to allow it to go wherever we want it to go. So if you have a fabulous recipe for apple pie, let us know. <laughs> I actually do, but if I could remember oh, really? it off the top of my head, that'd yeah. be a whole nother story. <laughs> well, I, have a, I used to make, uh, I made 20 apple pies at a time when I was working in a country inn. On oh Orcas Island years ago. Yeah, we had a restaurant there, and we had just the best apple pie. People would drive from Seattle and jump on a ferry to come to the Outlook Inn there to have a piece of homemade apple pie, homemade vegetable soup, and homemade bread. And it was like $2.95. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I just, I don't think I could probably, I probably don't think I could compete at that level. Uh, my apple pie is just a, one of those recipes where you're just like a little bit of this, a little bit of that, bada sure. boom, bada bing. Sure. And uh, I think the max I've ever done was three pies at oh. one time. 
but talk to me about my strawberry pear jam pie. No, Some you talk to me about your strawberry pear <laughs> jam pie. And we'll be including that recipe in the uh, episode notes, Uh-oh. or maybe not. <laughs> if I can remember it, that one is living in my mind. Yeah. Well, I uh, I worked with somebody in the end, at the end that uh, had a killer strawberry rhubarb pie. Mm. And then one of our uh, associates actually would go to Vancouver, British Columbia, and come back with bird's eye custard. So, yeah, so that pie turned into a strawberry rhubarb custard pie, which was unfreaking believable. Oh, man. It had too much sugar in it. We, you know, generally <laughs> speaking, you know, we had to call the, uh, call the uh, medics on the, uh, on the island to just stand by because we're getting ready <laughs> to eat the pie. It's yeah. like eating the burger with like 12 layers of meat. It's you, some, oh, something's yeah, yeah. bound to yeah. happen. <laughs> Yeah, I've gotten sure. very, very committed to uh, doing non-meat meat products, as in uh, mm. impossible. Yep, so I've been experimenting with it, and I to- totally understand that, you know, eh, let's not talk about the environment too much today, but, but that it's pretty important to understand that the whole manufacturing of meats, all meats actually, no matter what it is, has a really, really high carbon footprint, you know, mm. it's devastating. Yeah, it's on that note, just to uh, just bringing it what's bringing it up for me or what that's Mm -hmm. bringing up for me is that uh, how disconnected we are as a like as the human race to our like how we get food, how we get water, how we get our basic needs shelter built, you know, how we get our basic needs met. And I think that's been one of my really fun journeys over the last few years is engaging with my my family history and my culture. I grew up in rural Maryland. And um, mm. so we do a lot of canning. My dad hunts. Uh, just oh. a lot of that culture is really, really, like people kind of brush it off, but it's actually really important um, yeah. to, to know this. So Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I love people like that, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> what is yeah. it about them? Just they're very close to the earth, very down to earth, very grounded. You know, you yeah. kind of have that, you know, you have that essence about you as well. Oh, thanks. That's- so let's talk about being stress-free because should have done this podcast. Uh, like I said, that's April 22nd, 2021. Probably could have done this a year ago. Would have been a lot more mm-hmm. useful for a lot of people. Did you yeah. Did you find yourself working with a lot of people during that time? Yeah, um, we had really an unprecedented demand for our services during the pandemic. And um, it was really interesting because going into March, like that first that first week of shutdown, um, it was quiet for a bit. Um, but I think we were all just navigating, including myself, navigating a huge shift, which was quarantine. And um, yeah, and then, you know, over the next few months into 2020, it really just, we had more outreach than we've ever had. And I mean, it says a lot though, because at the beginning of the pandemic, I was, I kept telling people, I kept telling people, like everyone was talking about this, this second wave, which we've already been through, or maybe are we, we're in right now, but everyone was talking about this second wave of COVID. And I was like, no, you've, you've already missed the second wave. The second wave is the mental health crisis that's coming as a result oh. of this. And, um, because you know you think about this the statistics around stress pre-pandemic 
80% of people were experiencing high levels of stress, according to, I think it was like a 2018 Gallup poll, 80% pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, what was the nature of their stress, do you think? You know, it could really, there's there's about five to 10 top stressors. The number, the, the number one and the number two are fairly predictable. Money, job pressure, depending mm. on your gender, one will be more, you know, one will be more likely to be your main stressor than the other. And then it goes into relationships, um, health, like chronic health concerns, nutrition is one of those things. It, it really can be a variety of things, but those are the ones that are really showing up a lot, for sure. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so then uh, pandemic happens, and 80%, Pandem that 80% uh, percentile changes? My guess is it does. I think it those 20% maybe maybe it skyrocketed a little bit um there's always those people that have a deeper connection with themselves that are able to mm. manage stress in a way that is healthy for them so the way that the the stress that we actually experience is really a formula so it's just for context here so we sure. have the thing that happens to us and then we have the perception of that thing and then that equation, those two things combined, is actually the stress that we experience. So there still may may have been during the pandemic 10%, 5%. Maybe it stayed at 20. I don't know because they didn't do another poll during the pandemic. But um, that experienced the stressor, but their perception of it wasn't negative. They didn't think I can't handle this. They didn't stress. They didn't create meaning behind it that meant this is bad for me. So they didn't experience the stress that many of us did. So I, uh, for those people that became stressed during pandemic or even stressed um, pre-pandemic, so this is where this is where you know having a conversation with you about this is great. So I consider most of the time it's an inside job. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the stories we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's about living in you know they live in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's that, really it's really deeply about perception. Mm -hmm. um, no, of course, we have those outside stressors, those things that like a natural disaster comes, tragedy mm -hmm. hits, right? That is something that's outside of our control. And most of us are going to experience a level of stress with that. But the date, the, the stressors that are causing 80% of our, of at least the U.S. population to feel stressed are things that are absolutely within our control. Mm -hmm. Things, whether it's rewiring the neural pathways to create a different story or if it's uncluttering your freaking desk already because it's causing unnecessary stress, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, are these individuals or businesses or? Yeah, so I actually work with two different kind of demographics, if you will. So I work one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one with individuals and then I mm -hmm. also work with small to medium-sized teams. So, um, but all of the work across the board, whether it's with with teams or with an individual who's who is hiring me, I actually work with the individual members of the team, if that makes sense. So it's all individual work, just depends on how I'm hired. Um, so typically, uh, the way that I work with people is that um, every single one of them goes through this thing called the stress less method. And stress less method is something that I ended up creating, first of all, out of necessity, but also out of my own personal experiences. Because in my journey, 
I learned very quickly, very early on that there is no one size fits all when it comes to stress management. And even more so that the mainstream approaches that everybody's talking about, you know, therapy, meditation, yoga, hitting the gym, changing your diet, while important and can be really impactful, don't necessarily help everyone. There may be something deeper that can't be resolved fully by all of these things or one of these things. So each and every one of my clients goes through this system to figure out, first of all, what, it, what is blocking them. So that's actually step two in my system. It's identifying your blocks. So if we were to work together, one of the first things that we would do is create a thorough inventory of everything that is currently bothering you. Everything that's got you pissed off, that's got you angry, that's got you stressed, overwhelmed, depressed, sad, whatever. And we create a really thorough inventory to figure out, okay, this is the surface. This is the symptom. This is the after effect of something deeper. And we do the deep work to figure out exactly what that deep block is, whether it's a limiting belief, whether it's just a, a bad habit, whether it's shifting something bigger. But mm -hmm. we figure out what that block is, and then we create that resolution. And that really moves into steps three, creating your vision, and steps four, removing those blocks. Um, what I will say in terms of working with people is that I work very differently than the typical mentor or coach. And, you know, most coaches in the industry, they will, you'll sign up for a three-month package, a six-month package, and like, you're good, you do you get the information, I'm fixed, even though you're not fixed, right? And you go on your way and you try to find yourself another coach or mentor. Mm. The, the way that I work is that we come into the into the relationship with an understanding that this is a life's work, that mm. we are experiencing high levels of stress, likely because we've had pile after, like thing after thing after thing pile up, and we've got a lifetime of unpiling to do and rewiring to do to experience more peace, more contentment, whatever that beautiful state of mind is. Mm. It's interesting, during the pandemic, I became aware probably, I wanna say like June, of 2020, mm -hmm. that I became aware that people weren't talking about their issues. They weren't talking about their stress. They weren't talking about their fears. They weren't talking about any of that at all. Mm -hmm. And so I started in my conversations and, you know, started doing family calls like every two weeks with family members for all the way from Seattle, all the way to Paris, France. And um, I just brought it up one time at a call, you know, and uh, it was revealing, you know, mm -hmm. it's like really important to talk about those things, about being vulnerable to be able to, you know, talk about things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, like, it's not about uh, I think a lot of people when they when they hear the word vulnerable, they think like I have to air out all my dirty laundry and then they might judge me and like they'll mm -hmm. never see me the same again or I'll get exile exiled from the friend group because they'll think I'm weird or, or whatever. Right. But when yeah. we're talking about vulnerability here, what we're talking about is when when someone and you can tell based on their energy and how they're showing up in the conversation. When someone genuinely asks how you are and they're, they're willing to hold the space and hear you, sharing that because one, you'll feel better because you'll feel seen and you'll feel heard. And two, you create the space for the other person to do the same. Mm -hmm. And that can create a really beautiful kind of reciprocal relationship where 
if we're standing on our like gosh for instance social media vulnerability where we go on social media and we're like here's all my all my shit like here it is pardon my french right and that is that is not the same that is no. here's my dirty laundry this is attention seeking yes versus seeking support and I like the, the image that comes to my mind, I'm such a visual person, is like if you post on social, you're balancing on one leg, right? Because oh, that have, is a, that's a great metaphor. Right? Yeah. And so, but here's the thing. If we post that stuff on social media, we're balancing on one leg. But if we share that same stuff, maybe, in a way that is vulnerable and grounded and real, right? Not, not attention-seeking with someone not else. not hurtful. And not hurt. It, there's exactly there's some con social con context here, mm -hmm. and that other person feels safe enough to do the same. You both still may be standing on one leg, but you're able to lean on each other and support each other, and together you're so much stronger. And the other thing that I'm seeing is, um, as you're talking about it, is that when you when I, here's what I notice, and just so you know, I like to take the we out of the uh, conversation yep, yep, mm -hmm. and say the I. So I will say that when I allow myself to be transparent to another, it's another way of saying being vulnerable, mm -hmm. and they feel comfortable to do the same thing, essentially what I've done is not only have I served myself, but I have served them. Mm -hmm. I, have la I have opened the door yeah. for them to do the same. Yeah. So rather 100%. than thinking about it from me, 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 it is a way to connect with people in service, really. Yeah. I was just on a Zoom call the other day where a woman um, was asked, uh, she actually, it was a context of, of support. So we, we come together mm -hmm. for support. And so she stepped forward for support in this group. It's a small group. And she, she shared, you know, what was going on in her life and her relationships and how she was struggling and she asked for support and for me i wasn't even part of that conversation i was kind of like part of the container but not necessarily part of the conversation and her sharing that had me feeling so seen mm -hmm. because there was a time in my life where i was experiencing those exact same things where i was experiencing you know, having trouble speaking up for what I needed in my relationship or, you know, whatever it was that she shared. And so she had no idea until I reached out to her later in the day that just by her sharing, I felt validated. I felt seen. And I didn't have to share back, right? So this can be the power of vulnerability. It doesn't even have to be a conversation between two people. It can just be being witnessed. And one of the things that I was just journaling about, writing about this morning is that that even if you feel like something that you're doing is creating negative energy, for instance, you're sharing something that makes you feel really negative, so you feel like it creates a negative ripple effect. In fact, that that thing that feels so negative to you <clears throat> could actually create light or a sense of love or a sense of groundedness in someone else's life. Well, that's incredible. So is that part of what you do with, with uh, individuals and clients and stuff? Yeah, I think part of a big part of what we do is is that, is being seen, is being mm -hmm. heard. Um, 
you know, what what I do as part of my programs is I have, um, we meet twice a month for community-wide calls where we, first of all, I teach real-time relevant teachings based on what's happening in the world, what I see is happening in the community amongst each client, and what I see the needs are. But then each of my clients steps forward if they feel called, if they need feel they need support, and they, they ask. And that community is really, really powerful. That sense of visibility, that sense of vulnerability, it creates connection amongst every single one of my clients. But more often than not, I just had a client say this the other day. She's like, oh my goodness, thank goodness she shared that because like I was taking notes like crazy. I needed to hear that. I didn't even know I needed to hear that. But like, that's it. That's so the that thing. was that maybe that was something within her that was kind of below the surface mm-hmm. that allowed it to come above and be looked at by her. Exactly. Yeah, because really we talked about earlier with the inventory that I do with my clients we the whole point of that inventory is to say okay here's the symptom but what's beneath the surface now this particular client um had hadn't quite stepped into that process yet and Mm -hmm. so she saw she was like oh i see the connection right here's here's where it is and that's the power is really getting to the root getting to that place because it's empowering right rather than feeling stuck like, I don't know what to do, or I'm overwhelmed by all the choices, or there's something wrong with me, or whatever. That particular client was then able to say, oh, here's what it is. Here's what I can do about it. And this, I don't have to carry this anymore. Mm, nice. Could you actually lead me through a little exercise that you might be doing with people? And, mm. you know, it's interesting, because one thing I just saw was that working with individuals who are working at their jobs or working at business, you know, I can't help feel that it would have an impact on their, the place they spend eight hours a day, Monday through Mm -hmm. Friday at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is really, really good stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah, a little, maybe a little taste of an exercise. Yeah. Well, so we could go down the, the, I'm trying to decide which exercise. So let's start, let's actually start with a a very basic exercise because I think that this is important. Um, And I'm gonna give you context before we step into it. So the context is, is that when we're in a stress state or when we're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode, the first thing that goes out of the window is critical thinking. So in our businesses. Uh, well, you're, you're assuming people um, have a lot of critical thinking. Which... <laughs> Even the littlest <laughs> bit of critical thinking we had goes out the window when we. Okay, Carly, we're going to have yeah. to define. We're going to have to define critical thinking. Okay. Okay. Critical what's thinking. Your, what's your definition? Our ability to problem solve. Ah. Right. So pretty our ability. Simple. Pretty simple. So our ability to solve problems goes out the window. And I should say solve problems effectively goes out Thank the you. window. Yeah. So when we're in fight, flight, or freeze mode, we're more likely to act from a place of fear. So for instance, um, uh, a lot of the patterns that I'll see with clients that end up working with me, now keeping in mind that most people come to me because they feel like they've already tried everything. There's nothing left left to try. They've tried meditation, they've tried therapy, they've tried yoga, they've tried this coach, they've tried that, da 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 The critical thinking is this, or the, the piece here is this, that 
when we're overwhelmed, when we feel like we're freaking out. One of the things that I see with my clients when they get into that mode, that critical thinking is lost, is they immediately go out and they purchase any coaching program, any training, anything that they can get their hands on to try to solve the problem, even if that thing that they've bought has nothing to do with the problem. So for instance, when we're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, we go and buy a fitness program. Now, while working out is really great in terms of releasing endorphins and getting fit, it doesn't necessarily get to the root of why we're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, mm-hmm. right? And so that critical thinking, that inability to, to problem solve effectively can show up in big ways this way. And that's why we see people hiring coach after coach after coach, because the critical thinking isn't at where it needs to be. Sometimes the coaching's the problem, huh? Sometimes it's the symptom. It's the panic buy. It's the, mm-hmm. I just need something to deal with this. It, but it's not really looking at really what's beneath the surface. So that's really, really important. And that's why actually my enrollment process with my clients is very different than a typical coach's because I don't allow for that to happen. You want to stress by, we're going to sit through this and we're going to figure out if this is even the right fit. One, because I want to make sure that you as a client get what you need from this but two it's going to make me look hella bad (laughs) if you come in my program and you do not succeed if you do not achieve the results right yeah so two part it's good for the clients good for me if we sit and do that work well the other thing is if you have a client come into you that says nothing works that's the place i would start Mm -hmm. i would challenge it and i would say nothing Mm-hmm. And are you willing to uh, consider possibly X, changing y, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because nothing think, will nothing will change if you maintain that mantra. Exactly. But I think that in that conversation, that person, like where I would go with that is that that person is having this conversation because deep down they know that that's not true. Mm. They wouldn't even, if that mantra was really true for them, they wouldn't have even shown up for the call. And so that's really going back to say, here, here's your own evidence. I mean, you're here. You, some part of you thought that this, this might work, even if it feels crazy, <laughs> even if yeah. it feels insane. Yeah. But to circle back to the exercise that I mentioned, you know, this exercise is really about making sure that we're, we have that ability to problem solve, even after experience something that we view as really stressful. And the goal of this is for us to engage in this so that we can enter a state of rest and digest, so that we can have clear thought. And then we can go into some of the following steps, like figuring out what our deeper blocks are. Now, this, this can literally be anything. Now, so I guess I'll give you the umbrella. So the umbrella is this exercise is called creative stress reduction. Creative being the key word, huh? Creative being the key word because it really tunes into the idea of creative solutions, right? Nothing works. Are you sure? Are you sure it's just not the mainstream stuff that's not working? (laughs) Are you sure it's not just X, Y, and Z that you've tried that's not working, right? So creative stress reduction is really any activity that gets us out of fight, flight, or freeze mode and gets us into that state of play or flow. So 
what I'll have clients do to figure out exactly what works for them is we start by listing 50 to 100, I said 50 to 100, <laughs> activities that they love doing. Oh, they love doing, yeah. Mm -hmm. And anything goes. So it can be, you know, playing with your dog, going on a walk, skiing, gardening. Making pies. Making rhubarb pie. <laughs> exactly. And really going through that list. And also as part of this list, they, they include the things that they love doing that maybe they wouldn't consider very healthy, right? So I love having that glass of wine. I love engaging in a little bit of poontang, you know, some sexy time. I love X, Y, and Z. I love having that cigarette. It really makes me feel good. Whatever it is, put it yeah. all down. And from there, once we have that list, no judgment in creating that list, then we move on to the second piece. But I do want to add one little nuance on that list. And the reason that we include all of those things that don't feel so healthy is because the brain is a really interesting uh, piece of equipment, <laughs> if you will. So oftentimes when we're trying to brainstorm ideas or we're trying to create a list, if an idea comes up and we throw it out, sometimes what we can find may happen is that our brain will fixate on that thing. So I know for me, when I initially was creating a list, I would write, you know, gardening, playing with my dog, um, eating cookie dough. Oh no, I can't, right? I can't write cookie dough. You can get salmonella from that. You should, and that's unhealthy. You can't do that, right? So my brain was like, oh, no cookie dough, no cookie dough. Let me come up with new ideas. But then as I'm trying to brainstorm new ideas, all my brain is doing is saying cookie dough, cookie dough, cookie dough, cookie dough, right? And then we get stuck in a rut. It's like a writer's block. And so that is the reason we write down every idea that comes to mind. So then once we have that list, then we move on to the next piece. And the next piece is asking ourselves four really important questions. One of which is if I did this activity every single time I was stressed out, would it be healthy? There goes the cookie dough, there goes the wine, there goes naps. <laughs> there goes pretty much all naps, the snaps are healthy and not in now here's the thing and this can yeah yeah this can go I, you realize i'm challenging you oh right? i love it yeah no this actually goes into a, in a into a conversation that i have with many of my clients mm -hmm. which is the difference between numbing and nurturing oh yeah good right because there's nothing wrong with cookie dough especially the edible kind right where you or can't tequila nothing wrong with tequila nothing wrong with a with a frozen margarita. I love me a frozen margarita. But the energy behind it is really important. Mm -hmm. Am I doing this to numb something? To avoid something? Or am I doing this because I love margaritas and mm -hmm. I'm I'm nurture I worked really hard. This is a reward for the week. Yeah. And that's the basic energy that we want to make sure that we're doing. So in asking that first question that I shared, it's not that you can never do these things, right? But it is that if you do these things, they have to be from a place of nurturing. That's, well, that's good because, you know, I told you earlier, I got my second shot last night, right? Or yesterday. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Then I went to an event uh, sponsored by the chamber here. It was fabulous. The first time in a, well over a year that all chamber members were able to get together safely at the Carlsbad uh, flower fields, mm-hmm. which I might send you a picture of. So gorgeous. Oh, I need to see. Yeah. Uh, but I have to say on the way, I was headed home and it's just like, you know, I got my second shot and everybody's talking about how you might feel, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, eh, something's creeping up on me. And so I went to one of my favorite restaurants and and ordered a dinner to take out that I really, really like. Actually, prime rib. Mm. Um, I don't do it very often. I don't eat a lot of meat, and I'm actually transitioning out of meat into impossible stuff. But then I got two shots of tequila, too. But I was aware of I, – I, I hear what you're saying in terms of numbing. Okay, so we numb things. We alcohol numb sex numb addictions numb 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 but in this particular context is i wanted to be numb mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i wanted to give myself a good healthy dinner that i could just crash on yeah so you know but uh, but i do exactly what you said is you know which is you know if i'm going to have some tequila or something that's an example Am I doing it because to numb something or am I doing it because I enjoy it? So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And so that that would be a really great example. Mm. And, you know, in that scenario, my guess is, is that it was a combination of, of numb and a combination of nurture, actually. Yes. Right. So we think about, I mean, if it were, if it were me, if that were my meal, I would have definitely had the, the prime rib as my nurture because my body needs protein and I and, wanted and a that real was mine. meal. Yep. yep. And then the numb would, for me personally, then be the tequila. That is yes. yeah, Now it well, can go the it, other way. Yeah. That's how it was for me. That's yeah. Yeah. So that's a really important, I love that you brought that forward because it's really important because it's not about giving up all the things that we love doing. There's nothing wrong with those things. Nothing wrong with sex, nothing wrong with alcohol, nothing wrong with food, nothing wrong with these things. But the energy in which we engage with it is very, very important because if we engage from it from a numbing standpoint, Mm -hmm. we rob ourselves of the opportunity to do the work to get to the root of what's causing that stress or that overwhelm on a daily basis to find that peace across the board. So so anyway, so we, we go through these four questions and I have a free download. I can make sure that I get you the link to <clears throat> for the show notes. Is but that on we your go, website? Um, it is, but I have to make sure I get you the right link. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll make sure. Um, it's not necessarily easily findable um, just because this is not something that I typically bring forward. So this is good. So we go through these four questions and then from there, after we kind of nail narrow down our list, then we have a list of activities, creative stress reduction activities that we can do anytime we're experiencing stress. And we can say, okay, I'm freaking out right now. I'm overwhelmed. I'm X, Y, and Z. I'm going to, you know, you can take your finger and point to a random item on the list. I'm going to do this. And the, the, again, again, the goal is to nurture, to get us out of fight, flight, or freeze into that rest and digest mode so that we can return to whatever it is that was stressing us out and address it. But by the way, I want to just mention the rest and digest mm-hmm. is really, you know, it's a new concept for me and I really, really like it. I really like it. Oh, a lot. yeah. It's, it's yeah, such that's a what great. I'm, that's what I'm doing today. There was a couple of events this afternoon and I just thought, 
it's not about you know there was stress involved in going to these because i'm you know i'm just not feeling 100 after the vaccine whatever mm -hmm. and i just thought nah just rest but yeah. then you brought in the word digest yeah so that's what i'm well one of the other things that we talk about there's so many symptoms negative symptoms and associated with stress one of them is that it slows down digestion <laughs> so we have that extra that extra weight that extra fogginess that extra heaviness it's because i actually when we're didn't in, know that oh yeah yeah when we're in fight flight or freeze mode that the digestion slows slows down so that you know if we were in like a primal situation we can run we can you know really show up physically now it doesn't apply for when we get an email right <laughs> and it gets triggered but that's really what it was there for. It slowed down digestion so that you didn't have to stop, go to the bathroom while you're being chased by a bear, you know, da 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 da. I, I didn't know what I love it. I'm gonna keep that <laughs> one on top. Yeah, one of the best weight loss tips manage our stress so that our digestion can actually work at its highest, best functionality. Not that that is always the goal. Right. The goal for me personally is just to have my body be functioning at its best, not necessarily yeah. lose weight. But that is one of the one of the great weight loss tips that no one's talking about of our age. <laughs> no, that's good. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're very resourceful. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So I, I just want to add one more thing about that and then we can move on to wherever the conversation takes us. But it is important for us to do this list you know, when we're in a fairly level state of mind, right? Because of that critical thinking piece that we were talking about earlier. And it's important to have this list easily accessible. So whether it's in your phone or a notebook that you carry around a lot, right? So that whenever that stressful situation comes up, you don't have to engage your critical thinking or right and try to problem solve. You can just say, where's my list? And you can go to it, you can grab it and you can take it from there. It's good. I love it. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm sure there's a whole lot more, but we'll save it for later. So Carly, just in the last week or so, what has really had your attention? Mm. What has really had my attention? I will say acupuncture and cupping has really had my attention as of the last week. And I think that's because I just had my first acupuncture appointment last Friday. <laughs> Produced by Imagine Podcasting, we help businesses eliminate competition by elevating their brand and message to be heard. Visit imaginepodcasting.com for more information. <laughs>